Welcome to the MPC Podcast. I am Tim W. Gill, pastor of Medora Pentecostal Church, and I'm thrilled that you've joined us today. Here at MPC, we are committed to bringing hope and building lives. One way we do that is through this podcast. Thank you for listening, for sharing and reviewing what we do here. It is our desire to connect with you, and you can find us on Facebook, or you can find us at our website, medorachurch.com. It is our prayer that today's message inspires you, encourages you, and that the kingdom of God is advanced in your life. Let's get right to the word of the Lord today. I guess good enough. I have something I want to share with you tonight in this cold weather and snowy weather and uh, the hope that we have in Jesus Christ that uh, this old world is not my home, the songwriter said. I'm just passing through. I want to direct your attention to the book of Philippians, chapter 3, a passage that has been referred to recently by Pastor. Let me refer to it again, if you will. In Philippians chapter 3, let me read verses 20 and 21. Paul writes, For our conversation is in heaven, from which also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Thank God for the word of God. And again, that old song that came to my mind when I prepared these notes, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. That's enough singing for me. (laughs) But anyway, my subject tonight is I am on my way home. I am on my way home. When Paul made this statement and the translators translated the Greek from which it was written, this term conversation, for our conversation is in heaven. It could also be translated and probably should have been. uh, Anyway, I'm not a translator. But anyway, if you had a center column reference in your Bible, you would note the word could also have been translated citizenship. Citizenship. For our citizenship is in heaven. We have some missionaries that we're acquainted with. And uh, one particular I'm thinking about off the top of my head is Brother and Sister Spear. They have been in Norway for many years. That probably would apply as well to Brother and Sister uh, Edmonds. I don't know. But there are different missionaries who have been in their foreign country so long that they become citizens of that country. And so they have dual citizenship. Well, I am a good old United States of America citizen, and I'm proud to live here. I'm proud I was born here. I'm proud I speak English, although I might mess it up sometimes, but I'm proud. I'm proud to stand at attention at our flag, at the national anthem, 
the Pledge of Allegiance. I am a citizen of this United States of America. But there was a time in a storefront mission in St. Louis, Missouri, way back under in about 1954, I went to the altar. I received the Holy Spirit. I spoke in tongues for over an hour, I guess. And the next Saturday, I was baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And my name, I don't know exactly, but let me think it. My name was applied to the book of life in heaven. And I became, at that moment, a citizen of another country. I'm a citizen of heaven and heaven's glory. And I'm looking forward to that day, not rushing it, but I'm looking forward to that day when I can go home, when I can visit my country, the one that's, I love America, oh yes, but when I think about heaven, when I think about a street of gold, when I think about the rejoicing of the saints around the throne, my, my, I think that's more exciting, more exciting. Let me share with you some things relative to our country, our history, of our country, share with you some comments. President Theodore Roosevelt, Mr. Teddy, if you will, in 1903, he said, in no other place and at no other time has the experiment of government of the people, by the people, for the people, been tried on so vast a scale as here in our own country. That's a strong statement. Uh, President Calvin Coolidge in 1924 made this statement. The history of government on this earth has been almost entirely rule of force held in the hands of a few. Under our Constitution, America committed itself to power in the hands of the people. Oh, that it was still that way. Henry Cabot Lodge stated in 1926, July the 5th, The principles which went into the Declaration of Independence are found in the sermons of the early colonial clergy. They preached equality because they believed in the fatherhood of God and the brotherhood of man. They justified freedom by the text that we are all created in the divine image. I like that. Let me share another thing. America is a republic where the people get to rule themselves. Oh, that's the way it's supposed to be. If an American disrespects the flag, and sad but true that there are many that do, when that person is in effect saying uh, is that they no longer want to be king, they want someone else to rule their life, what they are doing is they are, def- they are defining their life as being willing to become a slave to someone that would tell them what to do, where to go, and where not to go. I like the words of Ronald Reagan, our precious president in the past. He opened the Ashbrook Center of Ashland, Ohio, May the 9th in 1983 with these words. From their harsh experience with intrusive, overbearing government, the founding fathers made a great breakthrough in political understanding. They understood that it is the excesses of government, the will to power of one man over another that has been a principal source of injustice and human suffering through the ages. The founding fathers understood that only by making government the servant 
not the master, only by positing sovereignty to the people and not the state can we hope to protect freedom and see the political commonwealth prosper. Words from a wise man and words of wisdom for us. I mentioned that I know we could go back even farther to the time uh, when these, this great country was founded and those that gathered from the 13 colonies that finally uh, wrote out the great constitution and whatever that gave us the government which we are living now. But they were attacking it today. They're eating it like so many parasites, termites that are trying to destroy it. Right now, well, I don't want to get in, into politics. But anyway, it's a very sobering and maybe scary thought. What if our country, <laughs> what if our country had been founded by present-day politicians that are presently running our covered country? What if, they, what if they were the founders of America? Whoa, that's scary. And we shudder to think what kind of government we would be living in today. It, if it had been founded by people that we presently have in, as President Trump called it, in the swamp of Washington, then it's not likely that we would have endured these 245 years. The confusion that prevails with today's generation is that they've been robbed of their history. There are too many socialist, leftist-leaning, communist-leaning uh, professors in our colleges that are brainwashing our young people, even in our school system under the colleges, if you will. They've been robbed of their, our history. The cry among today's generation is to destroy our past history, to start over with our own opinion as to how we should be governed. Let's stick with the Constitution. Let's stay with what we have. We witness, we witness it in the demands that are being seen and in the experience. Tear down the statues they don't agree with. Let's just destroy them all. Anyone that refers to our past history, let's destroy them and let's build our own statues, if you will, that relate to our present time, such as Black Lives Matter or Antifa or some other uh, group that wants attention. We witnessed this. They pushed that our country, the New York Times says our country wasn't founded in 1776. It was founded in 1619. And their way of inserting uh, the racial problems, which they, along with the liberal socialist politicians, would like to change our nation into such a liberal socialist government. At this very moment, politicians, the socialist liberals among the Washington elites are working on preparing laws that will even govern our speech patterns, telling us what to do or what we can say and what we can't say. It, they have used 2020 and the COVID-19 mess to shut down our schools, shut down our churches, shut down our um, in industries, they demanded that we have to wear masks, whether they do or not. We saw how powerful political leaders can be when they are given the power to determine what and how we can live. What happened in 2020 has whetted the appetite of those that don't like for people to honor our flag, people to stand for the national anthem, people who pledge allegiance to the republic 
of these United States of America. The time is coming. Listen now, you can put this down in your little black book or green book, which I call it is. The time is coming when they will not only issue edicts as to whether we can have church services, but they will also seek to control our messages. They will demand that we no longer speak out and name sinful practices such as homosexual activities or the transgender mess that is being promulgated today in our society. As we preach, it's contrary to the Word of God. It is contrary to the Word of God. But the time will come when we'll be forbidden to preach such a message. What are we going to do? Well, I'm from Missouri. I'm hard-headed. I'm going to keep preaching. It's wrong. It's sinful. It's ungodly. And this liberal, I'll call her weird, Nancy Pelosi, opened the new house where her edict that we no longer use terms like men, women, son, daughter, father, mother. Don't use that kind of language. We want to, again, get rid of anything that emphasizes individual identity, the Democratic-controlled United States House of Representatives, they have passed their new rules that for the first time they delete gender-specific terms such as father, mother, himself, herself. My goodness, that is stupidity going to, well, somewhere. Boys can use girls' bathrooms. Uh-huh. Boys who say they are, <laughs> oh, my Lord, help me. Boys that say I'm really a girl. Well, in sporting events so they can defeat the girls and the girls sports are being uh, destroyed or greatly hindered because these boys refuse to be boys and learn to become men and act like men and live like men. It's being advocated that parents, I saw something recently, they, someone was interviewing one of these, one of these characters. Anyway, they said the parents should not refer to their children when they're born as a son. Look at my handsome son. They shouldn't say son. Or my beautiful daughter. They shouldn't say daughter. That they should wait. And I don't know why they picked this age and they didn't explain it. But they should wait until the child is four years old and let the child determine whether they want to be a boy or a girl. Hogwash. Hogwash. Well, to think this is what is going on in our good old view. You see why I want to go home? And then there are those who claim that they do not know where they are or what they are or how they should be. They call themselves transgenders. Now that is stupid as well. All you have to, well, I better not go there. But anyway, one of the attacks that's been made against the church and the ministry will be the racial issue that will come forth. It'll be promoted more than it has ever been. Just as Big Brother had demanded that we wear a mask, that we do not have church, that they have shown their power to control our American people, and the majority of the American people have consented to their demands and their power without refusing to bow to their demands. Well, it's going to come a time when you're going to have to either have to bend or bow. I want to live for God and walk with God. Amen. 
So we need to take a stand for that. When I say bend or bow, I'm saying bend uh, to their demand or bow to the Lord Jesus Christ and his word. Our previous president, by the name of Trump, he issued an executive order that transgenders could not serve in our military, that it would not be good for that to take place. Well, guess what our present president has done? He has revoked that uh, executive order and has declared that the transgenders are welcome to join the military. Well, quite frankly, I don't think if, well, maybe I shouldn't have said it that way, but if I was a transgender, I think I would be a little bit concerned about getting in among a bunch of Marines and let it be known, I'm a trans, I'm a trans. Now, what a difference our world is from what it was back yonder. In those days, when I read these statements back in the 20s, and even back in 83, when Ronald Reagan made that statement, well, Paul gives us an idea of how it's going to even get worse. When he wrote in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 beginning, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own self, covetous, bolsters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such Turn away. I'm jumping ahead, I know. But anyway, some years ago, it's been a while now, Sister Walls and I, I had the privilege, the honor of taking a trip to Williamsburg, Virginia. And we enjoyed it. I even saw the ship that they said that it was the ship, refurbished ship that Mr. Columbus came over here on. I don't remember which one it was, Nina, Peter, or Santa Maria. I don't know. But anyway, they had built uh, uh, the uh, old uh, Jamestown uh, area compound and rebuilt it uh, to the, spe uh, I guess, the specs of the old one. I don't know. But anyway, we went in this walled-in compound and looked around at what they had built and what they were presenting there to remind us of what our forefathers erected and how they lived. Old buildings made from rough-hewn lumber. There was a church, of course, in that compound. <clears throat> that as well was made of some of that rough-hewn lumber. We went into that church behind the wall of the pulpit where the, if I recall right, the Ten Commandments posted on the wall, on the wall. Out of curiosity, I looked around, just kind of exploring, and I looked behind the door that was the entrance to that church, and there was a sign behind that door. I could read it to you because I made a copy of it. Well, anyway, I don't have to read it. I can repeat it. I can quote it. Here's what that sign said. Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. My, that, that just done something to me. And to think about our forefathers, there were some apostolic preachers around that time, no doubt, preaching about Jesus' name, baptism, and receiving the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues. 
Now, what do we in this 21st century, apostolic, born again, children of God, what are we going to do? Where do we go from here? Is it going to get worse? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. If that's the case, that we're witnessing this beginning of sorrows and what we are exposed to today, I want to say, regardless of what's going on and has gone on with this corona virus mess, I'm on my way home. I am on my way home. I have a hope that's beyond the virus. I have a hope that's beyond the swamp of Washington. As a child of God, I don't depend on Washington. My hope is in nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. The mess that Washington and our nation is in does not weaken my resolve to live for God. If anything, it strengthens it. It does not weaken my faith that this is the best life to live. Although we're living in a dark world, it's getting darker. It doesn't make me, this condition in our world, it doesn't make me go to bed at night worrying about what the world's going to be like tomorrow. No, no. If the Lord comes tonight, I'll just take off to home, my other home, my new home. I know that this world is in the hands of Jesus Christ. Regardless of what comes or goes or happens, he is in control. He is the one that raises men up and puts them down. He is the one that's in control. And I declare unto you, the church of Jesus Christ is on solid ground. I am on my way home. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 44, Therefore be you also ready, for in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man cometh. So my question and my plea to you Are you ready? Are you ready? That's the important thing here. And Jesus said, get ready, be ready. So have you, have you got everything ready? Jesus admonished us. I like this verse in Luke 21, 36. Jesus says, watch ye therefore and pray always that you may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. That's what I want to do. I want to be ready. I'm praying. I'm expecting. I'm looking. I'm listening. I'm watching. And I certainly want to escape all these things that are going to come to pass. And also, Jesus promised in John 14, beginning with verse 1, let not your heart be troubled. Let not not your heart be troubled. You believe in God? Believe also in me. In my Father's house, are many mansions. Uh huh. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Let's let's personalize that. I go to prepare a place for me. He went to prepare a place for me, for you. Amen. And he said, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am. There ye may be also. Amen. Amen. Let's, let's, let's think a little bit in the, in the closing of our uh, message tonight. Let's think a little bit about where we're going, what we're going to see. I know we can only, we can read about it in the Bible, but it, it, it's cold print on cold paper. And that's, you know, that's, we get an idea, but oh my, 
Our mind wanders sometimes and, and, and gets excited about what we do read. John, for instance, in Revelation 21 said, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. I like that. I like that. And then he went on down. Let me skip a little bit. In verse 6, he said unto me, it is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things. And I will be his God and he shall be my son. <clears throat> now, verse 2 where John said, Excuse me. I saw, I, John, saw the holy city. New Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven. Now, one of the things that brings my attention to this, this wonderful, marvelous vision that's mentioned here that John witnessed, a city that's coming down from God out of heaven, and there's no reason for us to spiritualize it that it's just an imaginary thing in our mind. No, there's going to be a city. <laughs> Woo. And also, this vision, it seemed to have been so impressive to the apostle, this aged apostle, that for the first time since chapter 1, here it is, 19, 20 chapters later, for the first time since chapter 1, John refers to himself by name. It had to be an exciting time for him. He said, and I, John, saw, <laughs> I saw that holy city, New Jerusalem. And I think, I, I, I get a feeling that John got a little excited here when he said, I saw that holy city. Well, we can see it through the scriptures, but one day I want to see it from my own self, with my own eyes, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband, well, like Israel in the Old Testament era, and even Jesus referred to it himself when he looked on Jerusalem, he said, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, and he wept over the city. He wasn't crying for the bricks and the mortar and the stone. He was, he was crying for the people who were rejecting him. Israel was Jerusalem. Jerusalem was Israel. Well, when John said, I see this city, this new Jerusalem, it's as a bride adorned for her husband. We are the church. We are the bride. We are Jeru the new Jerusalem. New Jerusalem is us, born again, baptized in Jesus' name. So again, it seems so obvious that John, for the first time in all of these chapters, uses his name. Now, he speaks about in this passage that God will wipe away all the tears from our eyes. And I do say in this past year and continuing into this year, there have been a lot of tears being shed, a lot of pain that's been experienced, a lot of frustration that's been feel, felt by people. And we wonder in what manner will God wipe tears from our eyes for those that are privileged to enter into that great and wonderful tomorrow. What, by what means will this be accomplished? Well, it, God doesn't go into any detail. John doesn't go into any detail explaining how it's going to be. But I can, I can suppose 
the tears will be removed by the removal of those things that caused the tears to begin with. I can guarantee you, I can guarantee you by the authority of God's word, there will be no COVID-19 in that new Jerusalem. There will be no transgenders in that new Jerusalem. There will be no murder and mayhem and rape and all of this that's going on in our world today. No, no. And even the songwriter said, no tears will stain the streets of that, the street of that city. I believe that. The Greek word that's used here for wipe, that's translated wipe, comes to us from a meaning that means, a word that means to smear out to obliterate or to wipe away these things that have caused mankind so many tears of sorrow and grief through the millenniums. <laughs> One of these days is going to be wonderfully, gloriously absent on that day. And the curse that's brought the tears in the first place are going to be removed in that new creation. Let me tell you what it's going to be like. Let me share with you some things about tomorrow. First, let me mention seven things in closing. Seven things that John tells us that's not going to be around then. Uh-huh. He said there'll be no more sea. No more sea. Well, this, this could speak as Isaiah spoke of the sea as the wicked are like the restless sea. Because restlessness of sin will be no more. Troubled lives will be no more. There will be no more terrible uh, sea, if you will, that's uproaring. No more tears. The product of the curse is going to vanish from the faces of all creation tomorrow. No more death. The result of sin and the curse will be absent from that society of the blessed. John said there will be no more sorrow. Grief-stricken people are not going to be seen in that society tomorrow. No more sorrow, no more crying. Amen. Weeping may endure for the night, mm -hmm. but joy, joy. <laughs> we're going through a night and we're weeping. Yes. We're troubled on every side, but oh, wait till tomorrow. The sun's going to shine. The S-O-N is coming tomorrow, and he's going to bring light like you've never seen before, and the weeping is going to be, crying is going to be gone. No more pain. The constant companion of so many of us in this life will be wonderfully absent in that day. And then the seventh thing that John said is going to be absent, no more curse. No more curse. That which was brought upon the sons of Adam because of their actions, their fall, their disobedience is going to be forever lifted and removed. I tell you, fellow pilgrim, I am my, on my way home. I'm on my way home. I hope, you've, I hope you've made reservations. I hope you've got your citizenship papers in hand that tells and declares you're a child of God, that your name is in the book of life. I know it's difficult for us, if not impossible for us, to comprehend such a society as that one will be tomorrow. Amen. Satan is no longer going to be around. He's going to be in a bottomless pit. In fact, eventually in the lake of fire, joining the man of sin and his cohort, the false prophet. Sin will no longer be around. 
because sin is no, no longer around, neither will the conditions that sin brings into people's life will be around. I tell you what, it's going to be great in my city, my home. It's going to be great. When I walk down Hallelujah Avenue, if there is such a place, and I, that sounds like a pretty good name for a street in that city. When I walk through a gate of pearl, and standing at that gate is an angel, and I don't know, I can imagine saying, Welcome home, Walls. You're a citizen. You belong here. You're coming home. What a welcome. What a welcome. And you're going to have 12 gates to go through so we can, well, we'll make it into that city. And the Bible says that the, wall, the street is pure gold. It's pure gold. Not asphalt covering. It's pure gold. And there's a throne in that city somewhere, probably right in the center of it all. There's a throne. And someone's sitting on that throne. Uh-huh. The son of David. His name is Jesus. He is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, and we shall gather around that throne to shout hallelujah, praise God for his bountiful blessings, and to me, hallelujah. I'm going home. I'm on my way home. I hope that you're ready. I hope you are anticipating that great event when we'll say goodbye, world, goodbye. Hello, heaven. Hello, home. Hello, city. Forever and ever. Praise God. Thank you for listening to the MPC podcast. We trust that today's message has inspired you, encouraged you, and strengthen you in the Lord. We would like to invite you to join us again by simply subscribing to our podcast, and we encourage you to write a review if it has been a blessing to you. Again, you can find us at medorchurch.com to learn more about our ministry.